A number of years ago, I was involved in running a, a kids' summer camp in Limerick. And we were teaching the kids there about heaven and about how great heaven will be. And so, uh, one of our team members was telling the kids there about how in heaven we won't need any doctors and there won't be any medicine or any need for any operations. There won't be any hospitals in heaven and there won't even be any graveyards in heaven. And then he asked the kids, and do you know why that's the case? And I guess he was thinking or hoping that someone would say, well, it's because of God's power or because of Jesus or, or something like that. But one little boy eagerly put up his hand with lots of confidence. He said, well, it's because everyone there is already dead. <laughs> well, I guess that boy was partly right. Most people in heaven will have passed through death. But of course, that's not the reason why there isn't any suffering or no sickness, or no death in heaven. Rather, it's because of what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, the last section of that, of that chapter, how that we will receive a transformed body. A body like Christ's resurrection body. So we're going to look at this passage uh, this morning. Joan's going to come up and she's going to read it to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And verse 35 to 58. Thank you, John. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And stars differ from star in splendor. So will it, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam, a living, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. As with the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth, and as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of those, also, so also are those who are of heaven. 
And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Thank you very much, Joan, for doing that that quite long reading, but it's a great reading from God's Word. Over the past couple of weeks, Paul has taught us about how important the resurrection is. It's at the very heart of the Gospel, because without it, there would be no Saviour, there would be no salvation, there would be no hope. But Paul knew that this church had some questions about this. They struggled with the concept of the resurrection. So they were asking questions like this. How are the dead raised? And with what kind of body will they come? To some of them it just seemed kind of ridiculous. How could someone be raised again after they've died? Especially if that was many years ago. Surely the body has decayed. It's been destroyed. So to talk of them physically rising again from the dead, surely is just nonsense. But it wasn't nonsense to Paul. In fact, he thought that those who had this question were just showing how foolish they were. And so Paul in this section gave some answers to this objection. He taught us what our resurrection bodies will be like. And the first thing I want you to see is that they will be different. Our resurrection bodies will be different. God is the creator of amazing diversity. Look at verse uh, verse 39. All flesh is not the same. Men of one kind of flesh, animals another, birds another, fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. God has created different bodies throughout this world in the animal and plant kingdom, in space with the sun and the moon and the stars. So much diversity. Each have their function, their own properties, and their own magnificence. And so just as God has provided us now with a body that is suited for our lives on earth, 
so God will one day provide a different body. One that's suited for our life in the next world to come. And that's essential. Because as Paul says in verse 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The bodies that we have today are just not able to live in the eternal state. They're not designed for heaven. And so we'll need a different one for eternity. So resurrection bodies will be different. But that does not mean that they are going to be unconnected from the bodies that we have today. Yes, there will be a change, but there will also be a connection. Paul illustrated this from nature. Look at verse 36. What you sow doesn't come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed. Perhaps of wheat or of something else. Here's a picture. When you plant a seed in the ground, it dies, so to speak. But then, when it germinates and grows, it becomes something different. A plant, a flower, a tree. The seed and the plant are very different from each other. But they are linked to each other. The seed that you sow determines the plant that will grow. So there's a continuity between the seed and the plant. And that is similar to what happens in the resurrection. We're not raised with the same body, but a different one. But it is still us who are raised. This is not a reincarnation into a completely different kind of life. No, this is a, a resurrection into a new life. Our body is raised into a new life. And as we'll see in a couple of minutes, Jesus is the perfect example of that. Of how our resurrection bodies are radically different and yet connected with our earthly bodies. So there's a transformation, but there's also a continuity with that. But how are our resurrection bodies different? In what way will they be transformed? What changes will there be? Well, Paul gives us four here. First of all, they're not subject to death and decay. Verse 42, the body that is sown is perishable... It's raised imperishable. Now, I know that some of the young people up the back or in the middle, they may not feel this reality today. But eventually it will be obvious that these bodies of ours are subject to decay. Some of us older people know that reality just now, don't we? As the years go on, our bodies just don't, know, don't work as well as they used to. Parts of them wear out or fall out, or just give up. And eventually, these wonderful bodies that we've got will eventually just stop working altogether. But the resurrection body will be different. Because it will last forever. It won't wear out. It won't decay. It will be immortal, incorruptible, everlasting. It will also be glorious. 
It's sown in dishonour, verse 43. It's raised in glory. Now, our bodies this morning that we have, despite all the struggles that we have, they are absolutely amazing. If you looked around this morning, you would see people who are amazing. We can see the wonder of God's creativity and power in each one of us, in how he has made us. Remember David writing in Psalm 139, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I'm sure everyone, just when they look in the mirror in the morning, that's what they say, don't you? So our bodies are amazing. And yet in some way, the glory of the body that we have just now will pale into insignificance compared with the glory of the body that's to come. Maybe in part that's because our resurrection bodies will thirdly be powerful. Verse 43 again, it is sown in weakness, it's raised in power. Now, some people can do amazing things with their bodies. Some people are exceptionally strong and able. This week I was watching a program about this guy here, Alex Honnold, who climbed El Capitan, which is a 914 metre high rock face in the Yosemite National Park in California. A couple of years ago he did that. And that's difficult enough to do, to climb that sheer rock face. Some of the, 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 the handholds or the footholds in it are absolutely tiny. But he climbed it without any safety equipment, without any ropes. I don't like heights at all. Uh, even just kind of going for a walk along a hill, it just kind of makes you feel a bit queasy sometimes. So to see somebody be able to do that, the strength and the power and the courage to do that, I think that's just amazing. That guy's body is incredibly strong. His fingers can hold on for so long. But Alex's body is also incredibly weak. Because one slip when he was climbing that rock face, and he'd have fallen to his death. The weakness of our human bodies. But one day, our bodies will not have that weakness. Of course, that's so difficult for us to imagine, isn't it? We are so used to the, the limitations that we struggle to imagine a body that's not vulnerable to tiredness, or infection, or accident, or death. But that's what the resurrection body will be like. It will be powerful. And fourthly, that's because they will be spiritual bodies. Verse 44, it's, it's sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Now again, we need to be careful here. This does not mean that today we have a physical body and that one day we'll have a kind of immaterial, ghost-like one. That's not what Paul is saying at all. Instead here, the contrast is between a natural body that we have with now with all of its limitations and struggles and a supernatural one that we'll have one day that will be fully empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
The bodies that we have today show all the limitations of our earthiness. The body that we'll have in those days will be shown clearly the capacity of all, all the capacity of God's Spirit. And this reality should change how we face the struggles of today. It means that when we as Christians get sick or are in pain or our bodies wear out or when they die, we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised. Our faith should not crumble as if somehow God has failed us. Because the natural bodies that we have today, they are weak, they are fragile, they are vulnerable. We don't have those resurrection bodies yet. So we shouldn't be surprised when we suffer in this world. But neither do we need to be discouraged by this reality. Because this world is not the end of the story for us. Our destiny is not one of unrelenting and irreversible downward spiral into decay. That's not what our life story is all about. Because one day we'll receive a new body. One day we'll receive a better body than the one we have today. One that is everlasting, one that is glorious, one that is powerful, one that is spiritual. But that's only if we are in Christ this morning. That's because this resurrection body is only possible because of Jesus. We saw last week how Paul contrasted the first Adam, the first man on earth, with the last Adam, as he calls, Christ. He does this again in verse 45. The first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. As the first human being, Adam is the head of all humanity. God formed him from the dust of the earth and breathed in his life into his nostrils, giving him natural, earthly life. And as a result, everyone who has been born since then has shared in Adam's nature. All of us too have a natural body. One that has that weakness and that vulnerability and that subject to decay and death. But Jesus, he's the head of a new humanity. He is from heaven, and so all those who put their trust in him will one day be like him and share in his resurrection body. So look at verse 49. Just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, Adam, so we will bear the likeness of the man from heaven. That's Christ. When Jesus rose from the dead, he rose into a new resurrection body. This body was still connected to his natural one. 
He was recognized by his disciples. Especially when he showed them the the scars in his hands and his feet from the nails. It was also a physical body. He could be touched and held on to. He could have food with his disciples. He could eat with his disciples. But this body was different. He could appear in the middle of a locked room. And then he could disappear from their sight. He could ascend into heaven. And of course he would never die again. There was a continuity with his natural body. But there was also a transformation. And so if we are in Christ today. If we have put our trust in his sacrificial death on the cross. And his victorious resurrection from the tomb. Then one day we will be transformed like him. We will be given a spiritual body, like his glorious body, and we will share in his everlasting life. As Paul says in Romans 6, if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. But this new body is not just a promise for those who have died in Christ. This is a promise for those who are alive when Jesus comes again. It's a promise for all believers. Look at verse 51. We will not all sleep, not all die, Paul says, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. One day, and no one knows when, Jesus will return as he has promised. At that moment, all of those who have trusted in Jesus will respond to the trumpet call of God. The dead, who have, those who have died trusting in Jesus, they will be raised first and they will receive their resurrection bodies. Then all of us who are still alive and still trusting in Jesus, we will be instantly transformed. These perishable, weak, natural bodies will be converted into those everlasting, glorious, powerful, spiritual bodies. And then all of us, will be caught up together to be with the Lord, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. That's our future. This is our destiny. Whether through death and resurrection or through instant transformation. We will all step into the fullness of what Christ won for us on the cross. And it is then that the scripture is fulfilled. That death has been swallowed up in victory. Just now, death is our enemy. It impacts all of our lives. Separates us from our loved ones. And the reason for this is because of sin. 
Verse 56, the sin, the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. Death is not a natural part of this world. It's an invader. It's invaded this world because of sin. Because of people's rebellion and disobedience against God's commands. And we all suffer it. Because of our own sin. Paul says in Romans 5 and 12, Sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. And in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. And the law of God, as perfect as it is, as we've been reading about in, in the Torah, as we've been reading, if you've been following our reading program, the law of God could never deal with this problem. That's what we've been seeing in our readings. That God gave his, his law to the people of Israel and nearly immediately they started to break it. They started to fail. They started to die. That's because the law cannot make us righteous in God's sight. He said all the law can do is reveal our own sinfulness. So condemn us as guilty before God. We will never become righteous in God's sight by rules or regulations or fear or guilt. But Paul says in verse 57, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The law cannot save us. But Jesus can. Because of his great love for us, Jesus took upon himself our sin. On the cross, he died under our death sentence. And on the third day, he rose again to show that that debt was paid in full. And so today, if we have put our faith in Jesus, and in Jesus alone, then we are brought into his triumph over sin and death. And so the sky, not the grave, is our goal. We are citizens of heaven today. And we're heading for glory. It's a wonderful hope for us to hold on to this morning. It's a wonderful reality to grab hold of that can help us as we face the uncertainty of this future. But this is not just something that's like an insurance policy to hold on to for the future. It's not just something to kind of stick in our back pocket and say, well, at least I'm going to heaven, so, so that's sorted, so I can just go and live my life normally now. Instead, this reality is something that should change how we live every single day of our lives. As we saw last week, Paul concluded this section with this amazing verse. As I said yes, last week, one of my favourite verses. It's, it's encouraged me and helped me so many times through my life. Therefore, my dear brother, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves 
fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Whatever happens in our lives, whatever difficulties or struggles or disappointments or illnesses or accidents or tragedies or persecutions, whatever happens, we can stand We don't need to allow these things to move us from our security that we have in Christ. Instead, through all of these things, we can give ourselves fully to living for Christ. Yes, we might not see instant results for what we do. Yes, we might not feel the benefit of doing this. But we can know that whatever we do for the Lord, ultimately, it is not in vain. From an eternal perspective, it is not empty. Last week, we saw that if Jesus was still dead, then living for God would be in vain. Living for God would be empty. Our faith would be futile. Our preaching would be useless. Our sacrifice and struggle for Christ would be pointless. But thank God that that is not the case. The tomb is empty and so our faith is not. And our preaching is not. And our sacrifice is not. And our labour in the Lord will never be. It's always going to be worth it. It will always be eternally significant. One day, we will be transformed. One day, we will be clothed with immortality. One day, we will be just like Jesus. And we'll be united with Him. And be with Him forever. So let's hold on to this reality. Let's live in the joy and the freedom of this. And let's live wholeheartedly for Christ. Because we know that our labour in the Lord is not in vain.